Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. We are so glad you are joining us today. Here at Skyline, our mission is to engage people to the gospel, connect them to Christ, and empower them to serve. For more information, visit our website at skyline.church. We hope today's message helps you feel engaged, connected, and empowered. Good morning. If you're a guest with us, uh, so honored to have you worshiping with us at Skyline today. I'm Pastor Jeff, and uh, looking forward to jumping into God's Word with you again today. And uh, I've seen some second-timers out there, so glad that you guys made it back. It's always, always, always uh, in honor when somebody who, who comes to visit one week actually comes back again. It's like, wow, they, they didn't hate us. So that's great. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, one quick thing, announcement that I do want to mention before we jump into uh, our message today is that we have a ministry here at Skyline called Operation Homefront. We minister uh, and try to connect with uh, ministry families. Uh, if you're in the military, have been in the military, uh, you know, family in the military, we want to minister to you. We know that that can be sometimes difficult, and a lot of times that comes uh, with you being here away from family and other people. So we want to be that for one another. And we have an event coming up just next Sunday, next Sunday, March 12th, at the Armory. Uh, if, if you've heard of that place, it's the new event center there in downtown St. Louis. So the Armory in St. Louis, 1.30 to 4.30, right after church. So yeah, if you come to the 11 o'clock service, it's right after church. If you come to the, this service, then you, you got a little bit of a break. But uh, anyway, great time. We're going to get together, connect. I hope that you can make it uh, if, if that's interesting. If you have any questions about that, you can see uh, Rocky and Twyla. They'll be at the, the little desk, the first-time desk. As you walk in the hospitality, next step desk, they would love to connect with you anywhere out there. So I uh, hope that you can be a part of that. Okay, so today we're continuing our series on faith. Uh, last week we opened this whole series up. We're going through Hebrews chapter 11. We're talking about faith. What is faith? Uh, how do we apply faith? Last week we introduced faith and we just said that faith is believing that God <clears throat> is who he says he is and he's going to do what he's promised he's going to do. It's this deep belief of trust in him, that, that he is who he says he is, that he's capable of doing what he says he's going to do. And then at the end of the yes, uh, last week's message, we discussed a quote from Jesus where he says that if we have faith, even faith the size of a mustard seed, that we can say to this mountain, move and it'll move. That, that basically, if we have even the tiniest bit of genuine faith, we can do great, unimaginable things through God's power. So real faith isn't about what you can do. It's not what I can do. Real faith is about what God can do uh, through our faith. So from here on in this series, what we're going to do, instead of just defining and, and talking about faith, we're going to look at faith examples in Scripture. Hebrews 11 is sometimes called like the Faith Hall of Fame. And so it's got some people in that that we, we can learn from, and we're going to attempt to do that. And so my hope is that we, as we look at their individual stories of, of how God used them and how their faith was uh, implemented and put into action, that it will inspire us also to have that same type of faith, that, that we might have the faith that they did. Not just Bible times faith, but right now faith. Not just, not just what God could do faith, but what God can do faith. And so we're going to look here, and today we're going to start with the example of Noah. Noah. So uh, Noah's a story that we heard, um, you know, everybody's pretty familiar or somewhat familiar at least with the story of Noah and the flood and the ark and animals and it's referenced all over the place. Uh, before we jump into that, can I ask you a personal question? Has your house ever 
Be honest with me, all right? Has your house ever got so messy that you looked around? Maybe at the end of the day, maybe you woke up in the morning and you looked at this place and you're like, how did this happen? Like, when did this happen? You know what? This place is, this is so messy. There's dishes in the sink. There's clothes on the floor. There's toys everywhere. I'm in this place and I'm looking at this mess and, and I just think it would be easier just to start over from scratch. It would be easier, let's just torch this place, burn it, we'll start from scratch because it will be easier than cleaning up this mess. If you've ever had a feeling like that, even if you don't want to acknowledge it, but you thought, man, this is such a huge mess, it'd be easier just to start from scratch, then you can relate to some of what, what God was feeling in Genesis chapter 6 when he looked down at his creation. See, after the fall of man, after, after man chose sin over God's holiness, sin continued to grow in the hearts of mankind. Sin continues to grow in the hearts of mankind. And when God looked at the earth, the Bible said that he saw their wickedness was great. And then in Genesis 5, uh, chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, he says that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it grieved him. It grieved God to his heart. When he looked out and he saw, and I think that, that we can imagine this still happening today, when God looks at his creation and when he sees that the choices we make, the things that we say, the way we treat one another, whatever it may be, it seems that the intention of every thought is evil always. And it grieves him to his heart. And so it grieved the Lord so much so that, that he decided the earth must be cleansed of this evil. And he decided to cleanse it by flood. But there was a man, a man named Noah. And Noah found favor in God's eyes, it says. It says Noah was blameless and upright. And then in Hebrews eleven seven, it tells us a little bit, a little snippet, about Noah, and that's where I want to look today. So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start at verse 6. We won't have this on the screen, but it's worth reminding ourselves of of what we talked about last week. Uh, Starting at verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must, you must believe that he exists, you must believe he rewards those who seek him. Verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Today, I want to share about two times. Two times that we must have faith and two, two examples that we find in the life of Noah. Two times, important times in our life that we must be people of faith. The first one is this, that we must have faith during unprecedented events. I hate this word unprecedented, probably because we've said it so much in the past few years, right? It was always, this is unprecedented, 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 unprecedented. I got tired of saying it, but there's no better word to explain what's happening here, and, and I think it fits in our vernacular now today to understand this, that we must have faith even during unprecedented 
events. Look at Hebrews 11.7. It says that it was concerning events yet unseen. It was con- concerning something that had never yet occurred or happened. That's the very definition of unprecedented. We learn from Noah that we must keep our faith in God, even in these unprecedented times that we may face or run into. We sometimes look at figures of the Bible, and when we hold them in such high esteem that we assume that they probably never questioned God in his direction. They never had the, the thoughts and the seeds of doubt like we had because they're in the Bible and they're so spiritual and holy. We assume a lot, but it's not always true. Let's look at Noah's story. I think that we assume, reading in the story that you know, we tell our, our kids, uh, we, we assume that, that God said, hey, uh, Noah, I'm going to go ahead and flood the earth and I'm gonna wipe out everybody but your family and a bunch of animals. And then we assume that Noah said, okay, all right, um, that sounds great. I like animals, so this will be fun. Thanks for sparing my family. I'll start building the ark, right? We, we assume that it was like, oh yeah, piece of cake, super easy, no problem. I get it, but was it? I think if we look at the facts, we'll see something else that occurred here in Scripture. The truth is that at this time in Genesis 6, it had never yet rained, right? God had in his, in his perfect. Uh, perfect plan had figured a way out that, that the water would come from the earth and that everything would have what it needs. There was no need for rain. And so Noah probably had some questions. It's going to flood. How does, how does that happen? Earth, uh, rain will come from the heavens. How does that happen? You know, there's no reason that he had for a boat, much less an ark. And so Noah's here with God taking care of everything, wondering, Build an ark where, why? I have so many questions. You see, God had never cleansed the earth by flood or any other way. Everything at this time for Noah that was happening was totally unprecedented. It was something that he had never seen. And so when God gives him orders, construct an ark, build this massive boat for a flood that you've never seen, build this boat that you've never built I'm certain that Noah had to have some doubts and some questions. Me, Lord? That's, that's not what I do. I'm not a boat builder. Here, Lord, it, it, it doesn't flood or rain here. He was truly in the middle of these unprecedented events. But despite his doubts, despite the questions, Noah moved forward in faith. He, he moved forward believing God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And so I I can trust him when he says build this ark, and I can trust him that it's going to flood, and so I will follow him in faith. He trusted, not because he did not have doubts or questions. He trusted in spite of his doubts and questions. Noah expressed a, a complete trust in God and his word, even when it related to things that were unseen. What can you call that? except faith. Now, you and I, likely, uh, and you may be a boat builder. I'm not. Never built a boat, never built an ark. Um, we are probably not going to be uh, boat builders or building arcs, but we have seen 
in our life, some unprecedented events in the world, especially in the last few years. Um, But you also, to take it a step further, might be in the midst of unprecedented events in your own life at this current time. You might be going through something right now that you've never been through before. Maybe it's a job loss, or it's a divorce, or it's the birth of a child, or, or maybe it's the death of a loved one. I don't know what it may be, but you may be going through something right now that you've never been through before. Maybe it's about a depression that you're going through right now, and you've never experienced that before, and it's all new to you, and you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get through this? How, how am I going to survive this? How am I going to make it to tomorrow? We all go through unprecedented events. And in whatever unprecedented times that you may be facing or will face in the future, it's important that we remind ourselves that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do and that we must believe that. We must have faith. We must believe that God is who he says he is. We must believe he's going to do what he's promised he's going to do. And when facing these events, we remind ourselves that God is faithful. We look at his word and we remind ourselves that that we will not be tempted beyond what what we can bear. We, We remind ourselves that God will not leave us, that God will not forsake us. We remind ourselves that God is working all things for the good of those who love him. We remind ourselves that he is preparing a place for us. It's in faith that we remind ourselves of who he is and the promises that he's made in his word, and we have faith. Not a blind faith, but we have faith in who we know God to be and what we know he's promised to do. Noah had that faith. We must have that faith in the midst of unprecedented events. We must keep the faith for the same reason that Noah kept the faith, because God was is and will be at work. He's at work in this world. He's at work in your life. He's at work. And we believe that, we trust that, we follow him and have faith in that. Even when we can't see it, even when we have a hard time believing it, God is at work in these unprecedented times. God is working all things for his good and for the good of those who love him. We must persevere, we must press on, we must trust that God will use us in our faithful obedience. So we must have faith, number one, in unprecedented times through unprecedented events. But here, secondly, when also might we have faith? We might have faith, we must have faith to do unprecedented tasks. To do unprecedented tasks. Like Noah, right? You must also respond in faith when God asks you to do something that is unprecedented to you. Look back at Hebrews eleven seven again. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, right? So what did he do? In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. In reverent fear, Noah built a boat, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. God asked Noah, do something, man, that's never been done before. It was unprecedented in every way. God also asked Noah to do something, not only that hasn't been done before, but do something that everybody else is going to look at you and call you foolish for doing. 
It, it was something that nobody else was going to understand or get. It was something that Noah probably didn't fully understand. But here, listen, it doesn't take faith for us to do what we understand, right? It doesn't take faith for you to do what you do every day. It doesn't, it doesn't take faith to do what you know and understand. It takes faith to do what you don't understand. It, it takes faith to do what you don't get. It takes faith to do what you've not done before. It takes faith to do what is costly to you. That, that's when we figure out if we really have faith or if we just like the idea of faith. We find out if we really have faith when we, we have to do what we've not done before and go where we've not gone before. We gotta, we gotta trust God to really be who he says he is. We gotta really believe, we gotta really trust and have the faith that God really is gonna come through on his promises. That's when we find out if we have faith or if we just like the idea of faith. So Noah, he, he had faith. You know, he risked all in faith. He, he risked it all. He faced humiliation because he had the faith to do what God had commanded him to do even though he didn't understand it, even though he had never done it before. I mean, like, ask ourselves this question. You know, like, would we build a boat in the field next door? I legit wouldn't know where to start, right? I mean, no idea. Wouldn't make any sense. I mean, we build a boat. How are we going to get it somewhere? I wouldn't understand it. I wouldn't know it. We would only do that. Why? Only because we believed God, without a doubt, told me to do this. So I have to do this. There's no doubt that Noah had to be the butt of many jokes, right? His name probably became synonymous with fool. Whenever somebody messed up, they'd say, oh, he really pulled a Noah, right? Whenever they goofed it up, they'd say, oh, what a Noah. They had to think, this guy was an idiot. This guy's a fool. What's he doing? He's wasting his life, wasting his resources, wasting his time building a boat in a field. What a Noah. Likewise, you know, I don't think it's beyond us to say that we may have to risk a lot, reputation, maybe at all, because of our faith. We, we, must fate, we might face humiliation because we are following God's leading, but we can't allow that to stop us in our tracks from doing what we know is right from doing what God has called, commanded, and equipped us to do. I wonder how many people. See, I even wonder about myself. I wonder how many of us that God has given a, you've been given a God-given dream, right? You, you have a, a God-given vision for something. But we've been unwilling to have the faith to step out and do it because we've never done it before, because nobody's done it before, because we've never had that experience before. And so we, we stay tucked into our cozy little cubicle instead of stepping out in faith to do what it is that God has called, commanded, or equipped us to do. I wonder how many people have ignored the desire to speak to somebody about God because they've lacked the faith to open their mouth. It takes faith for us, church, to follow Jesus. 
It doesn't take faith to do what you do every day. It doesn't take faith to do what you understand. It takes faith to step out, to do what's not been done before, to do those things that God may call, equip, and ask us to do. It takes faith to stand during unprecedented times for your faith and willing to do unprecedented tasks, to leave an unprecedented legacy. It takes faith to make an unprecedented mark on this world for the the name of Christ. It takes faith in us. We must have this faith. I, I think we can look at Scripture, and it's not beyond us to infer that God may ask us to do things that have not been done before. Don't let it blow your mind if the Lord asks you to do something that hasn't been done before. Don't let it rock your world that God may ask you to do something that, to your knowledge, maybe has never been done before. What we have to understand about God and who he is and in him fulfilling his promises is that God is not bound by tradition or routine. God's not bound to do things that have only been done before. God is not bound to do this just because that's how it happens every so often. God is not bound by tradition or routine. God is not bound by what's always been or what we think should be. He's not bound by what's easy or what's comfortable. God is not limited in those ways. Hear me even more now when I say that God is not bound by your skill set He's not bound by your abilities. He's not bound by your bank account. He's not bound by your knowledge. What God wants to do, he will do, but will we believe? Will we have the faith? Or will we say God can't do that because? God wants me to do this, but I can't do that. Because I'm not smart enough, because I don't have the money, because I don't have the ability. God can't. May we never utter the words, God can't. What must we do? What does this mean? It means that God can and will accomplish his divine will by any means necessary. And that means our responsibility is not to understand how. Our responsibility is to have faith, to believe, to trust, to obey, to follow. Our responsibility is to believe that God is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So when God asks us to step out in faith, when he asks us to do something that's never been done before, we must step up to the plate like Noah, right? Follow his leading one step at a time because there's too much at stake to not. We must have the faith when God asks us to do something because he will give us the necessary strength to carry it out. Noah's obedience was not overnight obedience. It wasn't, I've got to have faith enough to make one decision obedience. I've got to have faith enough just to to get this ark ordered online obedience, right? Noah's obedience was long-term obedience. Noah spent 120 years building that ark. 120 years building this ark. 120 years of This dude is crazy, right? 120 years of 
God, are you really going to do this? 120 years. Man, God's, God's promises don't always happen on our timeline. God's commands don't always have instant benefits. God's working a plan that's bigger than you and me. It's a long-term plan. And God gave Noah the strength to sustain for 120 years. And whatever it is that God leads you, me, us, we to do, God will give us the strength we need to sustain until the job is done. So we must have faith. We must believe that God is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. But I say that, and I understand. What what does exactly that mean? To have faith that God is who he says he is. Well, to have faith that God is who he says he is, it takes some element of knowledge of who God is, right? That's why the Bible, you know, Scripture, God's word is so important for us. Because it allows us to know the, the character of God. It allows us to hear and read about how he's been faithful. It allows us to understand the promises of God. It, it helps us to, to understand him to this like minute, small extent that we can understand the infinite God. It gives us a glimpse, at least, into who he is and what he wants to do. Without that, we would, we would have to come to our own ideas and make up our own thoughts on who God is, and everybody would have different ones, and we know how that works out. But we have here in Scripture an idea given to us about who God is. And you have to have some element of knowledge of that to believe he is who he says he is, or else who are you believing that he is? I, I, really briefly, I just want to paint a small picture for you. When I say you gotta believe that God is who he says he is, let me just give you a few things. This is not all encompassing the character of God, but just a few things with some weird words, okay? Just a few weird words I wanna share with you. Number one, God is painted throughout scripture as omniscient. That that is that God is all-knowing. That he he knows it all. What do we know? I know less every day, right? I know less every day. I forget stuff. I realize I don't never knew stuff. I know less every day, but God is all-knowing. There's no surprises, and that means that he's also the perfect planner, right? We make plans. You ever make vacation plans and nothing goes as planned, right? We think we know everything that we have to know, and we've done all our research, and we make all the plans, and then nothing goes as planned. Well, God can make plans knowing what will, won't, could possibly go not as planned, and he has the authority to know, to see, to make it happen. So he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. And so when we believe that God is who he says he is, we're believing that, that he knows better than me, that he knows better than us, that he knows what we don't, and so we must trust in that, that he knows what we don't. We also believe that he's omnipotent. That's the second weird word, right? Omniscient, omnipotent, that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, that he has the capability of doing whatever it is he has planned. And so as he plans, he has the capability of making it happen. We can make plans. They may not be good plans. And whether they're good or bad plans, they don't always work out according to our plans because we don't have the power to make that happen. We don't have the force, the strength, the might to make that happen. And so when I say that we must believe that God is who he says he is, we must believe that he's all-knowing. We must believe he's all-powerful. 
We must believe that he can do what we cannot do. That he can do what we cannot fathom can be done. That, that even though, that's why he's not bound, right? That's why he's not bound by our skill set, abilities, our bank accounts, and knowledge. Because he's all-powerful. And so when we have faith in him, we're not having faith in him to do what we can do. We're having faith in him to do what he can do through us. And so we're believing that he is who he says he is. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And he's omnipresent. That is, he's everywhere. That he's with you and me, and he's down the church down the road and church across the globe. That he's all-present. He's with us everywhere, always. And there's never a place that we go that God not is not with us, there's never a place where God's not been, that he goes before us and he stays behind us and he's always with us and he's not bound in the ways that you and I are bound. And so when I say we have to have faith that God is who he says he is, we have to believe in a God that is bigger than you and me. We have to believe in a God that is bigger than whatever man made man's sanctioned authority we have found on this earth to make people powerful. We have to believe that God is capable of doing things we don't understand and knowing things that we can't fathom and has the might to accomplish things that we could never accomplish. Faith that God is who he says he is. And because he is who he says he is, He's going to do what he's promised he's going to do. We must believe. What is God asking you to do that you've ignored? Maybe you've put it on the back burner because you're scared to do it. Maybe you've hid that idea long away because you don't know how you would do it and uh, you're fearful. Maybe you shared it with somebody one time. They didn't get it. They, they laughed at you. They thought it was silly, called you a dreamer, whatever it may be. What is God equipping and calling and asking and commanding you to do? And will we have the faith to be obedient even when we don't understand, even when we've never done it before? There's one more part of this verse that I want to talk about, Hebrews eleven seven. At the very end of the verse, <clears throat> till he built the ark, saved his household, and it says then, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Remember what made Noah stand out to God? He was blameless. And upright. Not, not that he was sinless, he wasn't. But Noah served God faithfully. Noah lived out his faith. He didn't tone down his faith because it would make somebody uncomfortable. Noah believed that God was who he said he was. And that, that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And that was the faith that guided his life. This word, it says, by his faith he condemned he condemned the world. <clears throat> this word, katakrino, the, the, the Greek word here, it means that by one's good example, to render another's wickedness even the more evident or censurable. It, it basically is that, that by his goodness, it made 
the badness even look worse. By his light, it made the darkness even more evident. That's why Noah stood up. By his example, the wickedness of man was made more evident. By his good example, Noah warned the people of his time about God's impending judgment. It was God's light in him that exposed their darkness. And when, when darkness is exposed, I mean, there's a couple of things that darkness does. It either hides or darkness wants to, to fight. We can't stop being the light that Jesus calls us to be just because it makes those in darkness uncomfortable. For the glory of God, we must continue to love the world. For the glory of God, we must continue to be the light Our obedience to God, it might make the, the disobedience of others stand out. And I'm going to tell you, man, that we've seen that. That will draw the ire of mankind. They don't, they don't like that. They don't love that. But don't be surprised if others view you differently simply because you're being obedient and faithful to the Lord. Regardless of what the opinions of others, regardless of what our name may become synonymous with in our world, in our culture, we must be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Believing every day, each day, no matter where we go or what happens, that God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that should give us, church, some confidence, some hope, and some peace. I, th- I think maybe the unprecedented events that we've faced in the, in the last few years have, have made some things evident to us. Maybe we're not as full of faith as we thought we were. Maybe there's a lot of people in the church that aren't as full of faith as, as we thought we were going in because in these unprecedented events, what happened? Were we more peaceful and more hopeful than the rest of the world? Or were we just as divisive, just as hateful, just as scared? Church, just as the flood, the, the rain, right, it was yet unseen, Noah was asked to prepare for it. We likewise, Jesus has called and commanded us to prepare for the second coming of Christ, to prepare people for the second coming of Christ. And and I would say that the second coming of Christ is just as unbelievable to our world today, maybe to you and me, as the flood was back in Noah's day. It's something we haven't seen before, yet we're called to prepare ourselves first and foremost, but also the world for it. Noah did it to save his family. We must act also to save our families, yes, to save our friends, to save those across the globe. To do that, we have to be the light of Christ. We gotta let the light of Christ shine. To do that, we have to act in faith. And church, maybe we've blown it in the past few years or beyond that, right? Maybe we've messed up and we haven't been the light when we had an opportunity to be the light. Okay, so what? 
What are we going to do now? What are we going to do today? What are we going to do tomorrow? What what are we going to do the next opportunity that we have to show that that we're not going to to join in the same fear and divisiveness that everybody else is? What are we going to do then? Because because that's what we can change. That's what we can make a difference about. That's That's what we can put our focus at. That whenever the Lord calls us or brings us to the next unprecedented task or event, that we remain faithful, hopeful, peaceful, that we have those fruits of the Spirit, right? That we're promised to have as followers of Christ, that we're bearing those fruits with such productivity that the world can't help but say, what is wrong with them? What is different about them? How are they capable of this? I can't stand them because they're too nice or too kind or too gentle or too peaceful, whatever it may be. Will we, be, will we be people of faith tomorrow? Will we be people of faith today? Like, I'm not here to beat anybody up over what we've done wrong in the past. Because guess what? I'm sure I messed up several times yesterday too, right? What am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? Hebrews eleven seven says, by this he condemned the world and became an, an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Regardless of the world's opinion, it's our faith in Christ alone that, that will make us an heir of righteousness. It's our faith, our belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ died for us, that Jesus Christ rose again, that Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God the Father still today. It's our faith and our belief in that alone that makes us an heir of righteousness. And and that's possible only through faith. To be an heir of righteousness, that means when God looks at you, he will find you acceptable unto him. And that's only possible through the sacrifice of Christ. Have you received Christ as your savior? Have you put Christ in his proper place in your life? Have you repented of your sins and turned from your sinful ways and turned to Christ? If not, would you do it today? If not, would you make that decision today? Would you take that step today? Maybe the biggest step of faith you've ever had. But it's the first step of faith that we all must take. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we got to thank you, first of all, that you are who you say you are. And that means, Lord, that you're not bound by us or our imaginations or our power. So God, it means that we don't always understand how, the, how this works. And so Lord, by faith, we trust. We trust that if, if we turn from our sins and God, we confess our sins and we turn to you, that your word says our sins will be washed away. That, that we can be made, even though we are sinful, have sinned, will sin again, that in your sight, 
because of the blood of Christ, we can be found righteous. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. So Lord, we submit ourselves to the righteousness of Christ. We surrender ourselves to his authority in our life. God, help us to live for you. Help us to have faith to believe, faith to step out, faith to follow. God, we love you and we're grateful today for your love, your mercy, your grace in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. Don't forget to take a second to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with the newest messages from Skyline Church. If you'd like to explore more resources or donate to any of our missions, please visit our website at skyline.church. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review. Not only does it help us stay connected to you, but also helps others find this podcast. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.